Today's Bible reading comes from Mark 5, 1 to 20. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Thank you, Betsy. We, um, if you're new to Pathway, you're a visitor, or you started coming along recently, welcome. It's great to have you. We, uh, we've been sort of doing a, a series that we kicked off ah, years ago. And the idea is that from time to time, we'll just return to that and watch another season of it, if you like. It's a journey through the Gospel of Mark. It's answering the question, who is Jesus? And each sort of a passage or event that we look into reveals to us another aspect of this answer of who is this man, Jesus Christ. That answer in its fullness 
is relevant to every person who lives, whether you believe in him or not. And that's sort of what we're just picking up today. We'll carry on with that for the next number of weeks. Today, in this passage that Betsy read, I'll, I'll unpack it in, in three stages. There's a, there's a problem, there's a solution to that problem, and then there's a response. There's a problem, there's a solution, there's a response to that solution. That's what we're going to journey through. The problem is they went across the lake, I won't give you <coughs> too much context, and then they encounter a man with an impure spirit who comes to meet them. This is Jesus and his close band of followers, his 12 disciples. That's the them that it's talking about. I'll talk about an impure spirit in just a minute. Um, hold on to that thought. For now, I just want to unpack the size of the problem. Mark, the dude who writes this chapter, spends almost five verses just telling us, we've got to look at how bad this man's situation is. He lives in the tombs. In those days, burials were like, like Jesus, if you remember the story, you know, bodies were put into rock, cave-like tombs that were carved out of rock. This, this guy is living, sleeping amongst dead people. That's where he lives. He was chained because of his, his possession, his erratic behavior so often, but he was so powerful, he would, he would break out of those chains. Whatever it was that was wrong with this guy was incredibly powerful. He was beyond himself, totally and utterly not in control. He lived in an area called the Gerasenes. This is a place where uh, no one in their right mind would go. It's a place of abandonment. No one goes there. No one associates with it. It's where people like this kind of get pushed out to live. At night, he would cry out, and this kind of gets me actually at this point, and he would, he would cut himself with stones. One scholar writes, this poor, naked man was a mass of bleeding lacerations, scabs, infections, and scar tissue, living in a delirium of pain and masochistic pleasure. The problem that stands between this man and freedom is insurmountable, is what Mark wants us to see. You have no idea how bad this guy's lot is in life. We, we're meant to feel it. But what is that problem, you may ask? We get the, the implications of it, how, how, how serious it is, but, but what is it? We already said he has an evil spirit, but you continue to read the story. When, Jesus, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you 
evil spirit. He had an evil spirit. This man was tormented and oppressed directly by Satan. Now, this, I'm willing to say, is for people in our culture, in our day, and in our age, something that is a bit of a strange one. I don't know how you feel about that, but, but, but for me, it's, it's, it's perhaps an area of life uh, that is just weird, that, that, that I don't really get, I don't fully understand. I think that's perhaps true for many people here, if not most or all. And I think the reason why we don't really get it, there are a few reasons, all of which I cannot explore today to its rightful depth, but I'll give you a few. Number one, it's cultural. We live in a Sherlock Holmes culture. We would much rather in our cultural mind say this man was a victim of severe psychosis. He struggled from something like schizophrenia. The ancients didn't have the medical knowledge. They didn't have the science. We would, we would simply just settle for that as a culture in general. I'm not saying that some people don't struggle from medical conditions of schizophrenia, um, psychosis or those things. But, but I am saying this man's condition may well not have been any of those things. Our culture doesn't really warm to it. We don't see it. Eastern cultures do. Western cultures generally don't, although it's changing slowly. Number two, our church cultures often are very... <clears throat> Um, skittish of, of this whole side of Christian faith. How we engage with spiritual evil at work in our world. In fact, even in our own lives. It's, if, if you stem from a relatively conservative Christian culture, that's something that is often untapped for various reasons. We just didn't really go there or want to go there. Despite the fact, I guess, that we, we ourselves are indwelled by a spirit, by something quite supernatural and inexplicable and quite powerful at that, um, our willingness to be open to that having an evil side is, <laughs> has often been historically quite sluggish and reluctant. In a few months' time, we're going to preach and teach through the letter of Ephesians, and I'm going to hold off on talking about that really until then. Um, Ephesians is not about spiritual evil, but there's this fair chunk of Ephesians that deals with how do we engage, interact, pray into, and uh, pray about this whole aspect of spiritual evil. I'll leave it till then. This is weird to us because of our culture generally, because of our church culture sometimes specifically, but here's the biggest thing I want to stop at a little bit today. Why is this strange to us, that this man was possessed by an evil spirit and tormented directly by Satan? Here's Probably one of the biggest reasons why. C.S. Lewis writes this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or about spiritual evil. One is to disbelieve their existence 
The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Six people in our country will continue to take their lives each day for the next 12 months. And our culture will refuse to think that maybe the reason we're losing interest in living at such a rapid rate might have something to do with moral and spiritual choices that we're making. <laughs> 46 47,638 marriages or thereabout will end in divorces in the next 12 months and our culture will likely continue to think that this is purely because of unmet needs or sexuality or unresolved conflict. We will not consider that spiritual deadness maybe has something to do with this. 50,000 young people over the next 12 months will continue to Leave the church, leave the faith, and we will continue to think maybe it is because we didn't play the music right or play the right games. Not because we did not pray for the protection against Satan, who does his utmost best, as C.S. Lewis says, to convince us that there is no such thing as spirituality at all, let alone spiritual evil. You see, that... Guy in the tombs, in the Gerasenes, he may have been extreme. But let's face it, <laughs> we're not all that unlike him, our world, our culture. The result of being driven away from Jesus, be it because of overt possession, be it because of just convincing the human race, that there is no such thing as spirituality, as God, as spiritual good or evil. The result is the same. It's lethal. It's deadly. And we'll do well <laughs> to pay attention. That's the problem. The problem for this man, the problem for us, perhaps in a very different way than for him, is Satan. Spiritual oppression. What's the solution? We move on. Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Trivia. Legion is a military term. How many soldiers would be in a Roman legion? Anyone know? Bit louder? Thousand? Up. Halfway. 5,600. <laughs> 5,600. Now, without unpacking exactly how the demon world works, the, the idea here is that, you know, uh, just like there are spiritual beings that are good, spiritual beings that are bad, 5,600 uh, possess this man. The, the idea that we're meant to get here again is <laughs> he is insanely possessed. The power that is at work in this guy is enormous. Uh, 5,600. And then comes the staggering bit that gives us the insight into who Jesus is. What do 5,600? 
hundred demons do when this one man, Jesus, approaches them? They beg. They beg. (laughs) Please, go away from us. Who is he? (laughs) He's Jesus. He's the sovereign, the Lord, the supreme ruler of everything. There is nothing Mark wants us to know. There is nothing this story wants us to know that is not under the firm, ultimate, supreme, and sovereign rulership of Jesus Christ. Nothing in your body, nothing in what we see here, nothing in what we cannot see here that exists. Everything bows to this man, Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all. Terrified, the 5,600 demons asks Jesus to send them in a herd of pigs, 2,000 in number. He does so, and they all drown. What a sight. Uh, There's about 75 people in this room, maybe 80. Imagine 2,000 pigs. I don't know why the pigs. It's a bit random. Why not? What about poor pigs? (laughs) For one thing, I don't really care. I like pork. But, um, But, you know, strange sort of a twist, isn't it? One theory has it that there are a lot of Jewish compromisers, um, people who uh, were supposed to be faithful to God, but they weren't. They weren't supposed to be dealing in pigs, but they did in that area, and it was a massive boon for them to own that much livestock. This was huge in currency, right? And maybe they're sort of saying, maybe Jesus is having a swipe at them and saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be dealing with this anyway, so I'll just wipe your... I don't know if that's fully true, but maybe a possibility... At any rate, we'll see what result this has later on. This is what Jesus does. For now, returning to the story, the the, the legion, the 5,600, leave this demon-possessed man. And then the story says this. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Picture of discipleship and salvation. A restored individual sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, church, if Jesus truly enters your story, enters your marriage, enters your church, we move to, to become this in our right minds, dressed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Which leaves us with the final question. How do we respond? How did they respond to what had happened? There's two responses. Townspeople who are told about what happened, and interestingly, about the pigs, 
come back and they plead with Jesus. They say, please go away. Go away. This is truly sad. The value to them of this man. Remember how hopeless his life was, the extreme of his possession. (laughs) How bad he was. They look at that. They see that this man, Jesus, comes to our town. he, He does this. He can set a man like this Free in power and goodness and love. They witness it. They see it. And what do they do? They say, no. Give us the pigs. We're a church who who seek to, for God to encourage, to to empower, to ignite, to to do this sort of stuff. And and I just pray that as we go about our business that, that we would never be like these people. May we never, when we see God act, when we see Him move, when we see Him doing stuff of powerful magnitude, but it may cost us one way or another, whether it's in comfort, whether it's in preference, whether it's in economic terms, whatever it is, may we never fail to see the value when Jesus comes to town. When Jesus does what only he can do, may may we as a community and pray to God, our wider community in Devonport be be such that we say what this man says to Jesus. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, it's really interesting, Jesus Jesus didn't argue with the townspeople, He, he, he respected their choice. If you don't want me, I'll go. Not going to argue with any one of us. (laughs) He'll just leave. But the man comes up to him. He begs. Please, can I come with you? That's the effect of a life in which Jesus worked. Jesus, can I come with you? I want to be with you. I'll do anything. This is the desire of our hearts when when Christ has been at work. And Jesus, again, I don't really know why. I probably could speculate, but he says, no, 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 um, not this time around. I've got different business, but here's what you've got to do. Here's what I want you to do. (laughs) Go and tell. Tell everyone what I've done for you. So the man went away. He began to tell in the capitalist, that's 10 cities in the region, How much Jesus had done for him. That is a life in which Jesus has worked. Tell. Jesus has worked in your life. Tell. If Jesus has performed uh, the the work, whether be they as extreme as this or as minor as our ordinary Christian lives, it never really is minor. Tell. Tell, tell, tell. That's why we live and that's why he lived. That we may tell. Tell of what Jesus has done for us. I'm going to pray for us, and I just want to extend the invitation this morning, if you're here. Um, Simon might do that as well. But if you're here today and, and, and you wrestle with this, not so much on an information level, but if you, if you want us to pray for you, if you sense that Satan is hard at work against you, and you've got a keen sense for that, 
We want to pray for that today. Come and see us. Let us pray. Let us bring you and ourselves before Jesus, in front of whom whatever it is that gets to you will flee. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we can never see deep enough into the answer to the question who you are. Thank you that you are the Lord of the universe. You're not some small God. <laughs> there is nothing in this life or whatever else there is, whether we understand that or not, that you are not the God of. Thank you that we are told that we do not worship a petty God or a small God. You reign supreme. I just ask that that supremacy and the comfort and the assurance that that should bring will break into all of our lives. May we appropriate it more. May we understand it more. And may it draw us to our knees and may we beg that we can go with you because we love you and because we love what you've done in our lives and what you continue to do. Carry on, we pray, and we surrender our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, music.